Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Welcome to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibble, and today we're talking with Sari Wilson, author of Girl Through Glass. Sari, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Sari, what really inspired you to write Girl Through Glass? Um, well, my uh, I would say my experience as a childhood dancer in New York City in the uh, late 1970s and 1980s and then um, I would also say that the intensity with which I missed that experience, I realized later in life um, when I started working with this material, um, the sort of early passion that I had for dance and bordering on obsessive, the obsessive, you know, really the obsessive, and I wondered what it was about dance and specifically ballet that had captured my imagination, and not just mine, but but sort of so many girls and some boys from my generation, and it seems to continue on. And, and so it began as sort of an investigation into my past and my generational past and also the kind of continually, uh, the continuing power of this, you know, seemingly sort of archaic medium of of expression. So, you know, during the process of writing, was was there a point where you felt like giving up or approach, you know, approaching writing something completely different instead? Oh yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, it was a really long journey for me uh, writing this novel. Um, it started as just some material that came out of a free writing session. I, I usually start my writing sessions with some kind of free writing exercise. And this particular day, um, I ended up writing this scene that sort of popped out of nowhere of you know describing these young girls um, getting ready for a ballet class and pulling on their leotards and tights and they're, you know, they're putting up their buns, and and it was sort of like they were getting ready for battle, you know, and <laughs> and and then you know it really came back to me with such uh, sort of this like emotional power, and then I, I I cried, and then I put this aside because at that time in my life I was really had a lot of male role models for writers, and I just didn't know what to do with this material, and I put it aside for a while, then I tried to make it into a short story in graduate school, and that never worked. It just was very unwieldy and it kept getting bigger and bigger and I couldn't find any center. So I grew frustrated. I put it aside again for a number of years and I was writing, you know, something, I was writing other kinds of short stories, you know, mostly about these men and I don't know, really like different place creatively. And then, um, some years went by and I pulled it out again and I decided, you know what, this is just really not going to leave me alone. I started trying to write a memoir, which really was very frustrating and it never went anywhere. And I realized, you know, my own experience in it, in and of its own right was not really that interesting. Um, but I, I was still obsessed with this material. And finally I found a writing partner 
and we started working together, and I, at the same time, I started interviewing some girls I had danced with, some of whom had gone on to be professional dancers, and these characters started to emerge, and that was very exciting, and then I had sort of these deadlines, too, with my writing partner, and that's when the book really took off. Mm-hmm. Did you, I mean, so you you had moments where you put it away and then there were spans of years where you didn't work on it. What point did you sort of reach that come to Jesus moment where you decided the book has to be written and you just had to let go of, you know, what you thought it should be? Right. I, um, right. I was working on it sort of in between so many other things in my 30s and, and working and so I was trying to sort of uh, lead a very balanced life at that point. And um, then I had my daughter, and I was in my late 30s at this point, and something happened then. I had even less time, much less time after I had her, but I I realized, I think, I don't know, something about going through childbirth, you know, and facing <laughs> sort of mortality, or I'm not sure what it was, but... I just realized that if I didn't devote myself completely to this book, um, I was never going to forgive myself. And I found myself writing in these little tiny scraps of time, you know, 15 minutes here and 10 minutes there and whenever I could. And I just really made it the center of my life as well as, you know, being a mother, of course, and that that was really my moment when I, I, I realized, at, oh, at the same time, Crystal Lee, I was getting this other voice. You know, I had written this Mira storyline, the storyline of the young girl, up until that point. And some people felt like the book was even done and, you know, you should send it out. And there was a question mm-hmm. whether it was YA. But, you know, I... Um, I felt really strongly it wasn't, and I was getting this very different voice, and she was older, and this, this, um, you know, this older woman, and she was so different, and, she, and, and, you know, I just felt very strongly that I had to write her voice now, I had to write her story, and then, then it would become a book, so that took me another three years, and then I had to put the two stories together. Um, but at that point I was wholly committed. I was going to mm-hmm. do this no matter what, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So how long, you know, overall, how long was it from, from the very beginnings of writing the story until you got to the point of publication? How long did it take to write Girl Through Glass? Well, including putting the book aside for all those years, I would mm-hmm. say it was it was you know about twelve years really. Mm-hmm. I usually say ten years just because um, you know there were so many years in there and period gaps and it's just a nice nice uh, round you know the decade the decade novel <laughs> which yeah I think I think that you know that pretty much describes it. Well, and I think sometimes the work is better for it when you let it breathe. And it was probably, you know, a tremendous gift to be able to put it down for a couple of years because when I'm reading it, just the prose is so beautifully well done. Even, you know, in the beginning when you're writing about the girls getting ready for ballet class and, you know, there's the girls with the with the real hair hairnets and the girls with the ones that just shove them in the bottom of their book bag. Mm. And it was even- and I could picture it all, you know, and it was just so, 
just the way it was, it was very poetic, but also enthralling because you know something's something's going to happen. So it's like this big build. And, and thank I you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, it really was. You know, having just because something is a, a memoir, and I know that you're working on a memoir as well, doesn't mean that you have all those details of your life at at the ready. You need to go back and excavate them and do that kind of research into your own life and. Mm-hmm. especially if you're writing, you know, um, you know, decades back. So part of my job was to go back into my memories and, you know, really go back into that time and that place and the sense memories of it, you know, what did things feel like, what did things look like to, you know, through a child's eyes. Well, and that's, I mean, that's a huge writing tip too for people to, to go back and think of. You think those small details might not matter, but they really sort of make the beginnings of the book. So it's it's really important that you put that scene in there, in in my opinion. <laughs> so. Yeah, I once had some advice. Someone told me to embody, that language should, should really embody. You know, we think of it as so cerebral, but actually it's about embodying a moment, like in, in – mm-hmm. In, in a physical way. So that means touching, tasting, smelling, hearing. I love that. Well, everyone, you're listening to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibble, and today we're talking with author Sari Wilson. We'll be right back. Your story is begging to be told, but do you know where to start? Crystal Lee Quibell is dedicated to helping you achieve your book's publishing dreams. Go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter today. Welcome back to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee, and we're continuing our conversation today with author of Girl Through Glass, Sari Wilson. Sari, when you had finished writing, how many agents did you decide to approach? Uh, well, when I finally um, was told that I had to let go of this <laughs> this novel I've been working on for so, so long, I, I, had, I did my research. I spent about six months, and I selected... I think between eight and ten um, agents who I had seen mentioned either in Poets and Writers magazine, which I subscribe to, um, um, they have interviews with uh, agents, and I was reading them all, and 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 I would write down an agent that I felt might might be a good fit for my novel, and also looking in the backs of uh, books that I, you know, really responded to. So anyway, I had this list of, you know, 8 to 10, and so that was going to be my first round. And so you sent out, did you send out a query and and a little sample, or how did that process work? Um, Yes, so I sent out uh, a, a query letter, which I also I also had a number of people look at before I sent it out because I knew it was it was very important. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it was one page. I managed to get it down to one page, which was really uh, a challenge. And then I also sent the first ten pages of the novel. Mm-hmm. And for the agents that accepted email submissions, I I sent by email. The agent I ended up going with does not accept email submissions. He only accepts snail mail. So um, I actually sent, I think I just sent the query letter to him. And this is actually a really great story for um, aspiring writers um, and those mm-hmm. of you who are querying because 
he was one of the only agents I did not have any um, introduction to or any connection to. I just uh, was interested in his list, and he also uh, was interested in comics and represents some cartoonists, and my husband is a cartoonist, so I just felt aesthetically um, interested in his in his writers and, mm-hmm. and so anyway I sent out um I sent to him and I got an email back from his assistant who had pulled my letter from the slush pile. And at that point um things were going pretty quickly because I had some interest from other agents too. So there was a period that was um pretty intense, you know, I think about mm-hmm. a week period where I I um I had some different email conversations um, and then with some agents who were interested and I ended up going and meeting with him. Um, and I, that was a great moment um, of, of my writing life because I, he, <laughs> he pitched me my own novel. And oh, he, cool. Yeah, it was really, you know, it was just kind of surreal moment and, and then it was like raining outside and thunderstorm outside, and it was like, you know, and, and he, <laughs> it was just this great moment. He pitched me my novel, and I thought, he understands my book almost better than I do. This is the person wow. who, who I need to give this book to and have a radical experience in trust. You know, he is yes. going to take it to the, next, to the next level. Like, he's the guardian. And then from that moment forward when you you know when you agreed to sign with with him how long did the two of you spend together you know editing the book and preparing it to be shopped to publishers uh we spent a a year yeah Mm -hmm. i spent a year editing with him um mostly working on structural issues um which continue to be really you know i'd say my greatest challenge and then also the kate the adult storyline um Mm -hmm. yeah when when you were picked up by your publisher Harper Collins, did you how long did you work with their editor? Because I know most public, publishing houses, you know, they have you work with their in house. Did you get to choose your editor, or do they just choose for you and then you you go from there? Well, um, okay. So in my case, you know, I'm just not sure how 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 this stacks up against other other writers' mm-hmm. experience. It seems so much all over the board. Um, but in my case, when he went out, he went out pretty aggressively. You know, he approached, say, I think 25 editors, and mm-hmm. a number passed, a lot passed, but I did have interest um, pretty quickly from a handful. And... Uh, he managed the process very aggressively. So I was meeting, I had another kind of week or two of meeting with editors mm-hmm. before any bidding started. So um, they wanted to meet with me and I wanted to meet with them and to see if it was a good fit. So it was very similar to the agent, for me to the agenting process. So I uh, met with three editors. Um, the one I ended up going with, um, Terry Carton at Harper, I, we had a very long meeting. It was several hours that went by really quickly, and I felt, again, sort of the same gut feeling. I think I do a lot of things by instinct. So mm-hmm. for me, this was um, 
really the way I made this decision. I met, I felt that Terry really understood the book. Even though she wanted me to do more work than one of the other editors would have had me do and really go mm-hmm. back yet again and psychologically deal more with, again, the Kate storyline, she felt that, mm-hmm. that that really there were some psychological issues I hadn't dealt with. And as hard as it was to admit, I, I, I knew in my gut that she was right. And so I, um, and she has an amazing list of of writers, um, Barbara King-Solver, Isabel Allende, Louise Erdrich, and I thought, you know, I am a debut novelist. I, I am, am privileged, I would be privileged to work with this person and learn what I can. So I decided to go with her and, um, yeah, that's how that how worked. Did, how did you find, you know, did you have a platform already built in when when you decided to go this route? Or did you go in with no platform and just, I have this book and I've worked really hard on it? And you yeah, I think that was my platform. Yeah. <laughs> I have this book and I've worked really hard on it for yeah. a lot of years <laughs> and made a lot of sacrifices along the way. <laughs> Well, and I, I think though, you know, so many people keep hearing build your platform, build your platform, and there's some really fantastic books that I think don't don't make it there because they're they're held back by that. So it's like, yeah, I know it's really it's really hard. It's really confusing because everyone does tell you that, and you know, I guess it really helps, of course, if you do have a platform, but. If it's a choice between having a making a platform and having a platform and writing, you know the writing has to come first. And the realities of 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 our lives, like economically economic realities of a lot of our lives, certainly mine, was you know were such that I would either be writing or I would be trying to build a platform. And for me, I I needed to write and I needed to write this, and then I just had to hope that. Um, that it would work out and um you know so now i'm dealing with those questions of building a platform and what does that look like and and so i think that there can be a place for that um you know right the takeaway i think the takeaway has to be that the writing has to come first exactly yeah exactly i mean good writing is good writing so if something comes out people are going to talk i mean my facebook I, I think when we spoke yesterday, I was telling you my Facebook and my Twitter feed were full of people talking about this book before, I think even before it was released, people were, you know, reading um, the copies beforehand and just saying, you have to read this book. So it's kind of cool how it how it comes about, you know, even when you don't have a platform that people are excited for you and they want to share it. I, I, I really I feel very fortunate. I, I will say also, though, that I, I have done, you know, I did three years of writing fellowships and writing residencies, and I, I went to, you know, I went to Yaddo. So I've done writing residencies, and, and, and I have immersed myself in the writing community, and that has been so key, I would say, you know, the, the place of community mm-hmm. in developing a voice and just getting that feedback. I mean, I don't know how writers can write in a vacuum. You know, I didn't know what my story was until I had somebody who was sitting across from me and saying, you know, this is really interesting. I think you need to go there because I I learned that my own instincts are pretty poor, actually, in terms of 
um, you know, trying to figure out what is interesting and in, a, in, in, in the material that I generate. So I don't know. I mean, that piece of building a platform, can that count as a platform, you know, having a community? Yeah. I think I think it should because I I mean a lot of the people that I I saw your work from were people who are very influential in the writing community and you know they're writers themselves and very passionate and so for me you know that's how I ended up finding your work you right. know just by you know people recommending it and and I think you know, writing can be solitary and lonely, but it also can be, it's been really nice to know that the community is so welcoming and loving mm -hmm. and every single person wants to help. Every writer wants to help another writer because they know what you go through, right? It's true. And I think in that way, we really do need to stick together because it is not an easy road. Um, mm -hmm. And there are so many challenges along the way on so many levels, whether they're business, emotional, um, craft-based, and if we can't peer mentor each other, then I don't know. I mean, I think for me that's been the key, really, you know, mm -hmm. knowing that I needed that and, and actively accepting that and, and looking for that and being open to that. And I will say one more thing, which is that after you, after you sell your novel and then after the editing period is over, there is still, if it's one of the traditional publishers, there's still going to be a year-long wait mm -hmm. between the, the time that your final manuscript is accepted and and the book is released. And during that time, you know, there's looking for blurbs and sending the sending advanced copies out. And if you have the time, you can work on your platform at that point. You know, work on your mm -hmm. Twitter. You know, start. I mean, at that time, I was developing my website, and, um, and yeah, so um, there's time. Yeah, exactly. I think maybe that's more the time, because um, then you have more of an idea of what what your story yeah. is, you know. Yeah, because by that point, you know, you've really broken it down chapter by chapter, and you've had to tell people over and over, you know, your elevator pitch, and so you've mm -hmm. got it down to a fine art, and you can really sort of hone in on that ideal customer, the person that wants wants your book and will be interested, and you can build those relationships. Do you? What was the best advice you think you've ever received about the writing process? Um, <laughs> Uh, when I was in graduate school at Stanford, Grace Paley, who is a wonderful sh mostly short story writer, came. Um, she was pretty elderly at that point, and she came to visit um, some kind of visiting writer position just for, you know, a weekend. And she sat with us, and she said that the only advice she had for us was to just keep writing. Mm. And yep. I know that you know I know that sounds like so simple and annoyingly simple but over the years that has been the best advice that I have ever that I got because what it said was all of those times when you just feel hopeless and you feel like this is never going to go anywhere this is just too hard why am I doing this nobody cares that would come back to me that there will be you know, that it tomorrow might be different. You know, the way you mm -hmm. feel tomorrow might be different in the next day and the next year. And if you don't keep writing, you will never get to that other place. So, so 
that became my mantra, and it's true that the process has its own intelligence. The process of writing, even a very long work like a novel, you know, you can't measure it maybe in days, you can't measure it in months, you know, you can measure it in years. And But if you stick with it, the writing will will evolve and will take you, you know, to the next part of the process and eventually it will mm-hmm. come to fruition. Absolutely. Well, sorry, I just want to thank you so much. You've been so full of advice and so kind and helpful to our listeners today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, hopefully we can have you back and and talk more about writing. Everyone, Sari Wilson can be found online at www.sarywilson.com. That's S-A-R-I Wilson.com. You can win a free copy of Girl Through Glass by visiting my website at crystalleequible.com and sign up for my newsletter. Winners will be notified weekly on our Facebook page. Make sure that you tune in next week as I speak with Katie Simpson-Smith, author of Free Men. Thank you for listening and do keep writing. Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals.